This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Chris Hexton. He's the co-founder and CEO of Vero. They help companies collect and organize data so they can create better customer experiences and happy customers through email. They're five years old and help hundreds of customers send hundreds of millions of emails every single month. Chris, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. All right, brother. You bet. Okay, walk me through the platform. You're not a typical email marketing platform. What do you do and how do you make money? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we tend to work, I'm probably best going to explain this who we work with. So we tend to work with large consumer facing to B2C companies who have hundreds of thousands up to tens of millions of their own customers. Uh, Those sorts of companies generally have either uh, engineers on the marketing team or, you know, strong, strongly technical marketing teams. And they're looking for tools that uh, help them, you know, collect data, ideally collect that data in real time, uh, give meaning to that data to store it with some structure. Uh, And then, and then like have a workflow tool to actually deploy both automated campaigns and ad hoc broadcast to their customers. So uh, a lot of it's around the technical side of how that data is collected and stored that goes beyond your typical mailchimp or whatnot. And is this more a marketing platform or a transactional email platform on the like of like SendGrid or Mandrill? Uh, yeah, definitely more on the marketing side of, the, you know, of those two descriptions. So we um, don't compete very heavily with SendGrid, etc. In fact, you can plug Vero into SendGrid and it sits on top and helps you do the data capture and uh, automation layer. Okay. And what's the business model? Is it a pure play SaaS company? Yeah, exactly. We're a SaaS company and we charge based on volume. So how much data, you, you know, how many customers you've got data you store uh, and then how many emails you send per month. And give me a general sense. I'm sure you have many cohorts you look at, but on average, what would you say a customer pays you per month? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's shifted quite nicely over the last two years, I would say. And, and these days, you know, 500 plus really. So reasonably large customers. And, uh, but that depends. Yeah, you know, we've got outliers on both sides of that. And when we, when we started, it was much smaller customers like us. And then the platform's gotten more sophisticated, more stable. So we, uh, we attract larger customers. And it, it makes sense. I mean, if, you're, if you've got a lot of your own customers and data, you, you know, automation is a very powerful and useful tool. So it, it uh, fits. What year did you launch the company? Uh, 2012. Okay, 2012. And up to today, have you been bootstrapped or did you raise? Uh, so we bootstrapped up until last June, so June 2017. And yeah, I think we're really happy with that decision. And then we've taken on a bunch of uh, BC money in here in Australia mid uh, last year. How much total have you raised? Uh, $4 million. Ah, Chris, you went to the dark side, man. (laughs) I suppose so. I mean, it hasn't hasn't been too dark so far. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, bootstrapping first uh, was, it gave us a lot of confidence in what we've built, you know, where we're going, the roadmap, sorts of customers we work with. Uh, obviously, you know, good unit economics to be able to bootstrap for so long. So, uh, raising money was a very considered decision, and we felt there were things we could do both on a product and growth axes that we couldn't do without some more money. And uh, that's that's how we ended up on the dark side. Name one of those things you feel like you couldn't do without additional capital. 
I think, yeah, growing as a leader uh, every year, you know, my co-founder and I, we would sit down and say, okay, what do we want to do next year? And uh, you know, coming uh, coming into 2017, you know, we felt that we had to build, you know, you've always got to build things in your product to stay, to keep product market fit, to stay with the market, to stay with, custom, with customers' expectations. And I think we've always been really good at doing that. You know, we've had a very, very word of mouth driven growth uh, cycle or, or, or process. Or you know, even prior to today, and so we wanted to start. You know, we knew we were going to scale where we, we need to be adding on more than just relying on that. We want to have more consistent uh, approach to driving that word of mouth, I suppose. So we knew we needed to hire a bigger marketing team than we had, and we felt we couldn't do that without taking capital. And then we also had some ideas for uh, how we might extend what Vero does. So you know, going on, going beyond just um, improving the features we've got, if you will. And uh, and we definitely felt we wouldn't be able to do that without building a, a larger engineering team over time. You're talking about fusion and some other kind of API related things. Yeah, exactly. So I think a big deal for us has always been that angle of saying like, um, we don't sell Vero to customers and say, Hey, just throw this snippet on your site and magically your marketing team will be able to do everything. I, you know, I personally think that that's, that's not reality. Uh, the truth is the best companies, marketing, engineering product, everyone works together and sending emails as an extension or just part of the customer experience, right? Like it's an extension of your product experience. And so you know, we've always been big on saying we want to give um, the engine, I think you know, engineering component of that has been overlooked often. We want to give these guys good tools to load data, load, load data cleanly um, and actually use what the customers have told them. So things like Fusion, you know, we want to extend that product. Fusion allows customers to load data from an API just before the email is sent. And that's kind of flipping the traditional data load on its head. It means you don't push data to Vero. It means Vero pulls data from your APIs or data stores at send time. And that's been really, really popular. Um, so absolutely, you know, that, that's like a totally different angle or new tooling on top of what we've already got and really plays nicely with that like holistic team and, that we have. And why is kind of your verticalized solution more powerful than someone just using a Zapier or Segment to connect APIs with their, their plumbing? Yeah, I think a lot of it just come, uh, comes down to the sort of automation you can do. Uh, and, you know, the, you know, the moment, for example, like I assume you're saying, could you, could you just use Zapier and connect it to MailChimp or something like that? It's about having that. Or a mix panel or mix panel and MailChimp through Zapier. Yeah, I think it's really got to do with um, we're built from the ground up to sit on top of that like raw, rich event stream that segment sends. So you're not really, it's just less cobbled together. And if you're a serious mid-market plus company, um, you know, you want robustness. You want to be able to send all the raw data somewhere. You know, Vero can store all that raw data, capture all in real time, attach it all to single user profiles, you know, deduplicate those profiles, all that sort of stuff that I guess could seem sort of rudimentary, but if you don't want to screw things up, it, you know, it's really critical to get right. Uh, and so I think if you're plugging those tools together for a lot of our customers, that would be seen as a bit janky, maybe uh, yep. would be the word I did. So yeah. at, at the um, at the most basic level, can I give an example? You know, you could you basically use Vero where and, and say someone if this user ID hasn't logged on in this amount of time, send them an email to try and re-engage them, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think the big two buckets of emails, people, the, autom- the automation side of things, the big two buckets would be activating customers. So someone's expressed interest in your product, signed up for trial, um, done done something, but then hasn't you know, converted to actually buy. That's activation. The other big bucket's retention. So what you're sort of talking about, which is you know, target people when they haven't returned, or if you're trying to drive them to use new features, or if you want to announce, you know, um, your specific new things you've built or new products you've got on offer or whatever. Uh, personalizing all those sorts of emails as well. Got it. Now, what have you scaled to today in terms of total customers using you? 
Um, yeah, we're probably around somewhere between 250 and 300 now. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's, it's growing nicely. I think this year will be, I mean, obviously I haven't taken the VC money. This is going to be an interesting year. You know, we've got to pedal to the metal. So I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, fair to say 300 customers times a $500 ARPU, you're north of, or about 150 grand a month right now. Yeah. And, uh, well, more than that. Yeah. Okay. Significantly yeah. more. Yeah. Uh, not, I wouldn't say significantly more cause then I'd be, then I'd be lying. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> Can we say South of 200, but North of 150? Is that fair? Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, good. And what's growth rate look like year over year? What were we at 13 months ago? Um, uh, we don't disclose our growth rate if that's cool with you, but we, I mean, we, we tended to, um, like on, our goal this year would be to do more than hundred percent. Basically is probably the best way to answer that and, and really try and do hundred fifty percent plus. Yep. Yep. And, and generally speaking, I mean, if you're raising capital at these numbers, you know, you're not doing, you know, a million a month yet. I mean, you've more than doubled since your founding date up to this point, correct? Each year. Yeah. Like, you know, we, to raise the money we raised, we've obviously got to be on a trajectory like that. Yep. Yep. Fair to say. Um, good stuff. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump into some economic stuff here. So this is obviously a very competitive space. We've alluded to some other people in this space. What does your guys' churn look like and how are you mitigating that? Yeah, I think we, you know, I think the thing about this space that's interesting is you, for us anyway, working with companies where the setup is reasonably sophisticated. So, um, you, you there's a lot of competition around wiping Vero and then getting that set up. But the, the good side of that is people are quite sticky. And I think working with mid market plus companies um, is a really, been a really good thing for us because those people, you know, they're really invested in this. They get stuff. So the churn for us is not um, not too far above the average uh, in, in the cohorts we want to keep, you know, the average SaaS churn, which I would say people are for like 2% a month. So yep. that's like, logo we're, churn we're or, re- or revenue churn? Um, revenue churn yeah that's that, that would be do you have yeah. do you have kind of a hyperbole there in other words do you have you know 10 percent of your customers that make up you know 50 percent of your revenue because they're extreme enterprise examples or no no definitely not it's a pretty even spread and we, we've yeah, we've tried to avoid that as much as possible like if any if we were skewing that direction where you know 10 customers bang up 50 percent of our revenue that would be that'd be really hard i think you know it gives you uh we're a very product focused company and a big part of being able to maintain that is having no one customer that represents a huge portion of your revenue that's uh, right. so you can make sound product decisions. So that's really important to us and we keep an eye on that. Okay, Top Tribe, many of you ask me all the time, how did I get my website up so fast, so quickly, and why is it doing so well? The answer is simple. I use HostGator.com to keep the thing cranking along. They've got a 45-day money-back guarantee, which is great. I used their free website builder to get the site up because it's ideal for WordPress. It's just what I use. They've got 4,500 templates and a free e-commerce plugin as well and 24-7 support, which we love, right? We love that. I bug the hell out of them. They always get back to me. So I've got you 30% off along with $100 in free AdWords credit. To grab it, just go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, but you got to do it now. Again, hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. Now, are you, has any of your thinking around payback period changed since you've raised capital? Um, no, I, I think we've investors and having bootstrap for like four years, we, you know, we, we had a good idea of, you know, it was clear we built, you know, built the company to a certain point that, that I think was pretty impressive and, um, was, you know, um, had good fundamentals and, and they understood the way we built the company and 
I think we've we had we've had a very content marketing driven approach. So our like LTV, I mean, our CAC's a bit nebulous, to be honest, in my opinion. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, we don't, we've never done any paid marketing. We don't have a sales team. So like you, you, it's the link between like, I guess you could say that what's the total we spend on our marketing efforts and divide that by the sort of num- number of customers we acquire. But we, you know, like you, I always hear this number of LTV to CAC of three thrown around and ours, you know, would definitely be much higher than that historically because we've focused on content. We, we haven't had a huge number of people focused on marketing how many people what's your what's your total team size and how many are on content and marketing and sales we're 16 and then at the moment only two people i mean i guess that some of our we our support success team is a bit of an account management team as well so you could maybe say three three and a half in total and so that's what we're ramping up at the moment um but then historically like yeah i mean either one, one to two people over our lifetime at any given time would be focused on that, that yeah. element. I imagine, um, Krista, when you raised, I mean, part of that deck when you were pitching investors or maybe you had the leverage they came to you, but regardless, I mean, they were asking the question, where are you going to spend this money? And sometimes I imagine you had to say, well, we think it's going to cost us this much in these two channels. That's what we're going to try. H- how do you back in to figuring out what your first experiments are going to be now that you've raised and you have some money to play with? Yeah, I mean, I think we... We're definitely starting with the stuff we've already done well, and we wanted to do better or in a more measured fashion. And uh, you know, we we did a lot of content marketing in the early days. And I think, I mean, when I say content marketing, like good content marketing for me is basically uh, telling your current customers and future customers about, um, you know, I guess the world they live in and how you see that world and why you've built the product you've built. Just say like, well, you know, we see this as a problem that the customers face. You know, we think this could be improved in this way, and we build product to help do that. And, uh, and then hopefully you know, some people are interested in that and they sign up, you know, they're cool thought leadership style customers and uh, you can then work with them to share their story and how they're using your tool as well. And so I think it's like a virtuous cycle of doing that. So um, definitely doubling down on that cycle, which is something we've always done. Um, I think there's a lot of low hanging fruit for us as well. Uh, you know, perhaps a more technical SEO related stuff to this stuff, uh, to the work we've done historically in content marketing. It's also some low hanging fruit on improving our own internal funnel. Uh, once leads come on board. So those will be the areas we start. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of growth we'll get out of that. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, starting to, starting to experiment with other channels. But I don't know, I feel, I feel pretty good about where we've been historically with that. Yep. So no, no, no paid spend currently though, each month uh, right now. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, good. So CAC, CAC is really negligible as long as you can just afford the two marketing people and let them keep cranking content out and hopefully they bring in more customers over time. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Um, okay. Uh, last question is most of the team based in Australia. Or you guys spread out. No, we've got six here and then the rest of the 10 are spread out. Okay. And then, um, I lied. That wasn't the last question actually with your churn of about call, call it 2%. I mean, do you look at things like lifetime value yet as any kind of helpful indicators in the company or, or no, not really. They're not guide points for you. Uh, we definitely, we look at it, but I mean, because obviously we've been around long enough now that you can start to draw some conclusions. I think one of the things we're very aware of in looking at it is that over the last, you know, maximum two years, there's been a big shift in the sort of customers we work with. Uh, so we're really just more enterprise. What, what more? I still call them mid market. I think enterprises, uh, like enterprise, conjures a certain image. Yeah. Um, 
And so I don't, you know, I feel like we're only just starting to get reliable lifetime customer value data for those those customers. So it's not it's not really something that is a huge guiding light yet. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, generally, if you just stuck these things into an Excel sheet, which probably is not valuable at two percent monthly logo churn, that's like a lifetime value of fifty months at the five hundred puts you at like twenty five grand. But that's a target that's obviously going to move and update with your gut as you talk to individual customers. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. All right, uh, Chris, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, actually, I read this book recently. The, I can't remember the title, which is not helpful. It's like eight unconventional CEOs and rah, rah, rah. It's the longest title in the world. Um, but it's about these eight CEOs who were you know, really great capital investors and, you know, smash the S&P 500 over their life. Oh, it's, it's a, uh, it's a green and black title. It, it, uh, yeah, it's like Harvard business press or someone did it or, um, it's like, it's break, really good. isn't it like break? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I just finished, I read that about a year ago. It's like breakthrough or seven bench or seven something. I know what you're talking about though. They list all the like, uh, like city, yeah. um, capital cities, all that, all that. Those yeah. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. If someone, if people Google eight unconventional CEOs, uh, I think you'll find it. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. <laughs> Number two, it, it currently, is there a CEO in Australia you really respect or you like that you're following? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think at the moment the um, the team at Canva are an Australian company and they're just smashing it, wonderful company that built an amazing, amazing thing there, both in terms of their, the people and the culture and what they're doing. So uh, Mel's the CEO there and Cliff, Cliff is a CEO, I think is his title. And uh, I really like what, what they're doing. Number, you're, you're actually, you're, your eyes are moving like they're in that office with you. Do you guys share a space? I uh, know, but they're like down the road that way. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, Gmail, I don't have a fair answer to that. Uh, we've been using Asana for a while now and I actually really like that. I mean, I think there's some nuances to get used to, but you know, between that and Gmail, that'd be like 80% of my day. So I'm going to go with that. All right. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I'm not bad. I mean, minimum is six and a half, but you know, typically seven, seven and a half. All right. And what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? Uh, I got a girlfriend, but okay, girlfriend. Yeah, not, not married, not married and no not, kids not, that you know of, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. All right. And how old are you? Uh, I turned 30 next Thursday. Oh, good. Congratulations. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. la- last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Um, I don't, I mean, that, that is, that is a genuinely hard question. I think, I think I, I feel like I'm pretty happy with my twenties, uh, overall. And I, it's not a regret, I think Chris, probably, just anything you wish you yeah, knew. Yeah. yeah. I think I would relate it to that. Notice how I'd come to it, but pr- probably, um, you know, I, I think, when I, when I was really young, you know, like I used to be an accountant, I worked at PwC. And I think the thing that uh, breaking out of that and starting my own company, was a bit of a journey there. But like, I wish I'd known younger, like 18, 19, 20, that um, this, you, you can go and define your own stuff, right? Like you don't necessarily have to follow a certain path or you know, have a traditional career per se. And I was just never, never thrown around when I was at school or uh, with the exposure I had. So I probably, probably would say, um, I worked it out pretty quickly after 20, but you know, an extra two or three years wouldn't, wouldn't have hurt. There you guys have it from Chris founder of Vero. He would have started his own thing earlier. It was just never something that came across, uh, his, uh, his radar earlier on, but the company's doing well launched in 2012. He bootstrapped it and then recently raised 4 million bucks. They're serving about 300 customers at a $500 ARPU doing between 150 grand and 200 grand right now in terms of MRR growing, you know, call it between hundred and 200% year over year target this year's 150. We'll see if they can hit it. Healthy economics, less than 2% logo churn each month too early on CAC and LTV just because they're just now getting into the, some of the 
paid spend with their team of 16 in Australia, making it easier for you guys to have your emails actually talk to your APIs and send relevant stuff at the right time. Chris, thank you for taking us to the top. No worries. Thanks very much.